Welcome back to another episode of Tiger Podcast. I'm Grace. And I'm Valentina. And today we have a very special guest, sophomore English teacher, senior AP English teacher, and film teacher, Mr. Aquino. Hello, how are you? Good, how, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. It's been a good day, so... Good, good day in film class. Oh, great day in film class. Well, that's perfect because yeah. today's subject of today's episode is all about film. And as we normally say, we know you teach an elective here about film. So we're wondering, what's the class about? What do you do in a typical day? Why do you teach it? What's what's interesting about this film? Yeah. Class? Um, well, I've been teaching. It's called composition, literature, and film, and I've been teaching it for twenty four, twenty five years. Um, and it's, it's kind of a survey, uh, an appreciation of film class. So we do a little bit of everything. We try to watch some films that the students haven't seen and cover different historical and artistic genres and talk a lot about them, do some writing. Um, it is a composition class. It's a writing class. Uh, typically, uh, we'll do some projects. Um, until COVID hit, we would actually make a, a short film um, that kind of has made that a little bit more difficult to do. So I'm looking forward to the day when they get the chance to do that again. But it is really just people learning how to appreciate, you know, film better than just watching it and say, oh, yeah, I liked it, or oh, no, I didn't like it, and moving on to the next thing. What are some of the movies that you watch in film class? Oh, wow. There's been so many over the past 30 years. Um, I usually show a Hitchcock movie. I have about three or four that I rotate. And I'll usually show a film noir again. Um, some of the Hitchcock films have been Psycho, Rear Window, uh, Shadow of a Doubt, uh, Vertigo. Uh, film noir has been everything from Sunset Boulevard to uh, On the Waterfront, Maltese Falcon. You know, sometimes I'll do a, I'll definitely do a postmodern film. It's um, been Slumdog Millionaire, Run Lola Run. Some films based on true events like Captain Phillips or Hidden Figures or uh, things like that. So just kind of a wide variety of different genres. I love Run, Lola, Run. That's one of my oh, favorite movies. You're one of the few people that actually knows that movie. <laughs> I know. I Well, I watched it sophomore year. I, Valentina and I really like film. That's why we invited mm. you here. And I watched it sophomore year because someone in your class told me to watch it. They were like, I think you'd like this. And Who I, was that? Maggie Suzuki. Oh, wow. Name drop. What up, Maggie <laughs> Suzuki? <laughs> and you liked it? Yes, I, I really liked it. Fantastic. I, I try and watch, like I, like, I like to watch German movies. Well, that's, yeah, German movie. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> so we have a we have a bit of a bit of a thinker for you here. Oh. If you had to choose <laughs> five movies to put in a time capsule that would be opened at a later period, which five movies would you choose? Well, that's a doozy. Only five. <laughs> the thing about teaching film is every year there's more films to choose from. <laughs> um, I think. Gosh, I think you'd have to put in a film like Casablanca or Citizen Kane because they were, it was such a landmark film. You know, it, it reinvented so many things with how stories were told. And if you're going to put one of those films in, then who's to say you shouldn't put in something like Birth of a Nation or Nosferatu, you know, um, D.W. Griff's Birth of a Nation or Murnau's Nosferatu since they were absolutely groundbreaking in the silent era. Um 
you know, do you want it just for art? Do you want it for, for historical value? You know, how about a film like Apocalypse Now, which is about uh, the Vietnam War, done in 1979, and the Vietnam War did so much uh, damage to this, to this country and was so controversial and to, for Coppola to capture it in a movie like that that has withstood the test of time even till now. Um, and, you know, I think a film like that, you know, something more recent. Uh, do you put something in artistic uh, that has not been uh, filmed in uh, a certain way before? Do you put in, you know, something like, oh, my gosh, Blair Witch Project, which totally launched a new way of, of telling stories? Not that I would put that movie in there. <laughs> um, but something like 2001, A Space Odyssey. It was absolutely groundbreaking what Kubrick did in the, in the 70s with that movie. So I think it really kind of decides on what you want your time capsule to be, whether you want it to be artistic or, you know, here is important moments in history. And then I even touched on European films other than Murnau. That's a loaded question. I don't, well, it's I don't what, know how to answer that. It's your you're, time yeah, capsule. <laughs> I mean, it was a whole, like, what do you think you value more in movies? Is it more important for a movie to have a strong artistic sense? Is that more important than something that reflects a societal notion? I don't think you can say one's more important than the other because what really makes a really good movie, I think what makes it endure is you've got a great story with great characters and then the way it's told is what makes it strong. You know, you can have a great story, but if you just tell it in a way that's not visually appealing or the editing is a little off or the music doesn't quite fit, then I think that's just not going to be memorable. So you have to have, it's, it's got to be in sync and it's got to be in sync from the moment of it's written through, you know, the post-production. So I, to me, you know, the movies that would go in the time capsule are those that kind of hit all bases. And which is why some of the ones that I mentioned were not just artistically important, but just important to, you know, the evolution of movies, which, gosh, you know, it's hard enough. It's hard enough getting enough films in a one semester class to pick five to put in a time capsule is even more <laughs> difficult. Well, OK, then maybe then maybe this will be easy. Okay. What's like one movie that you could watch over and over and over again? Well, I watch so many over and over and over again. Um, I do. I, if I if I own a movie, it's because I want to watch it so many times. Um, there are probably it's probably easier to say what movie don't you want to watch over again. <laughs> and there have been a lot of movies where it's like, okay, that was that was good for this time, but I don't need to ever see that again. What's been a recent flop? A recent <laughs> flop: Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, really. Did you like the first one? Yes, very much. I, that's why I had such high expectations for 1984. That it just didn't. My wife and I kind of looked at each other and said, mm, "We paid extra for that." <laughs> so um, I'm glad I saw it, but it, that is not one I would rather see again. I will watch Wonder Woman uh, as many times as I, you know it's on. That's definitely one I would watch again. Where did the second one go wrong? As opposed to the first one. I think it tried to do too much. I think the, the first one, you know, really built on a, a, a good structure that's been proven, but it put the spin on it with new characters. I think, you know, DC's just had a terrible time making um, 
it's superhero movies. And with Wonder Woman, they seem to find a, a good template, a good mold. And then instead of just leaving that alone, they tried, I think, to add too many, too many things into Wonder Woman 1984. So I think it, it lost its way. And they're already talking about, and they knew it, you know, they're already talking about we need to do a follow-up because we sensed that it was not as successful a story as the first one. Yeah. I can see that. You, you're clearly, you're very knowledgeable about filming, so you have a strong passion for this. What, like, started film? Has this been, like, a lifelong interest for you? Do you feel like this came out, like, later in life? Like, what it, what's inspired so much passion and knowledge about it? I can't point to any one thing where I can say, that's where my interest in movies started. Um, you know, when I was growing up, just watched a lot of films, and, and my mom really introduced me to a lot of film. And she, we would watch all kinds of things. And part of that was we spent a lot of time with my grandparents because as my, uh, my parents were divorced early and we lived with my grandparents for a while. Um, we watched, you know, a lot of the classics that they knew and they grew up with. And as I started uh, you know, getting older and just kind of appreciating those things more. I was, you know, just drawn to the idea that, you know, underneath it all, it's, it's just telling stories and it's telling stories visually. And I think the visual aspect is what really meant the most to me. So I would say it was just constant, um, just being constantly exposed to different films and classic films and new films. And we would see films, you know, when they came out when we were kids and we would always go to the theater. And my mom, with the exception of two movies, my parents let me see whatever I wanted to see at the time. So <laughs> yeah, we, we have to ask <laughs> one of the two movies. Um, the one my mom would not let me watch until I was 18 was Dirty Harry with Clint Eastwood. Um, I don't know why. It's not like it was, you know, super horrible, violent movie like Last House on the Left or anything like that. But it was she just didn't like she didn't like the vibe of that movie. And the one that my dad would not let me watch until I was 18 was Apocalypse Now, which it is pretty intense. It's a pretty intense movie. I could see why he would not want me to to see that. Mm -hmm. I think that you mentioned like growing up watching like what your parents watched as a kid. And I feel like that is like, I don't know, that, that does seem so relevant. Like I feel like our generation, like I grew up watching so many John Hughes movies and like so many movies from like the 80s and 90s, like or, like earlier, like the 70s and 80s, like, that was stuff, like, my mom grew up, like, I watched mm -hmm. a lot of Stanley Kubrick as a kid, like, mm -hmm. which I, I guess that's interesting, so, like, we'll raise our kids on Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's not a terrible thing to, to raise your kids on, and hopefully, you know, you'll introduce some John Hughes as well, <laughs> because it, it's worth it, and, you know, it's, you can't forget all the stuff that came before, right? It's got to have some value, because it influenced the things that you're growing up on now and you will have your kids watch so yeah yeah and I think when you talk about that you like how that started that film is like a community like it started it's your family you talk about it I feel like the interest of film like like Grace said her and I like both like to watch movies a lot and like we'll talk about it and I don't think I'd enjoy it as much if you didn't have someone else to bounce off ideas I mean that kind of is film it's all about the reviews the opinions the discourse about it it's so subjective and I think that is 
This is an integral aspect of film, the community surrounding it. Oh, I agree. And that's what makes the film class so great is, you know, they're not just learning about here's the different shots and here's the different angles. And and we spent a lot of time talking about it. I, I actually told the film class today that, you know, you're shifting into, it's not film class anymore. It's kind of like, like, kind of like film club, like a book club, you know, we're just getting together and talking about this and and you're talking about it in ways that people who haven't studied film wouldn't probably be able to do as well. So I think they like that. And I think it's, it's true. By the time they walk out of that class, they have what I call the curse, (laughs) which is you can never just watch a movie for fun again without part of your brain thinking about all the different techniques and style that goes into it. Um, but the community aspect is, is huge that, uh, that happened over, um, Last year when we were teaching and we were kind of hybrid, right? And so I had them watch all their movies online. I would put the movies online for them. And, and I asked them at the end of the year, so did you like that? And they're like, no, we like watching with people in the room so we can look at each other's expressions and reactions and things like that. And there have been so many times in class where I'm so glad we're watching them live all together because the reactions of some of the students have just been absolutely priceless. I would, I still remember them from so many years ago uh, to the point where I don't even watch the movie anymore at, at certain points because I've seen it. I'm watching the class. I know what's coming. And I'm like, okay, how are they going to respond? You know? And it's, it's just a lot of fun. That community is definitely strong. And I think, too, like film is such an interesting and often I feel underrated way to like think about society or like look at society and even like obviously like you mentioned like birth of a nation like that's very clearly a story about history but then there are more like there are more there are movies that like the historical influences are like understated like even like in sci-fi movies like in Star Wars and it's not a movie but in Star Trek like you can see like just all the ways in which like pop culture and politics and like current events bleed into our like film psyche and I, I think that's like an interesting point about film too is just all the influences and that it's such an interesting way to view society. Yeah, it's, you know, you take, you know, The Purge when that came out. It was a, it was a, it was a fresh story. It was very different. And then as you got more purges or you got more Hunger Games or you got more. Um, Saw. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking Saw. But, you know, you start to see, okay, we're going to layer on, you know, politics. We're going to layer on ideology and things like that. And it does become a vehicle uh, to comes a way to um, get a writer or director's, you know, view on things um, out to people. And the great thing about film is unless it's really hitting you over the head, like pay attention to what I'm saying about this. Um, typically, if it's well written, you know, you can, you can watch for that or you can be aware of it. But focus on other things as well so i think you know film is really versatile that way mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned that there are too many movies in film class and that's what makes it hard that there's always good yeah. movies every year so and fall is always the best time for movies so what is a movie <laughs> that you're looking forward to coming out recently uh the new bond movie oh you haven't seen it yet no i haven't but well, you no. gotta get on it i know i have to get on it <laughs> um yeah, my wife and I were seeing movies constantly, constantly, constantly. And then, you know, COVID sent everyone home and closed theaters. And it's we that's one part of our normal we're slow to get back to. But um, I want to see the new Bond movie because Spectre I thought was horrible. 
so they, they need to redeem themselves. Daniel Craig needs to go out on a high note instead of Spectre. So, what about Dune? Are you excited for Dune? <laughs> Did you read the book? Your English teacher? Uh, no, I haven't read the book. It, I'm I'm gun shy with Dune because the first one was so bad. I, I'm really excited for this one. Okay. This one, I, it's got like a pretty good score, like so Has far. It? Okay, I haven't really paid attention. I mean, that you're going back to my high school days with that book, <laughs> and and probably from before. So, it wasn't a story that I was like super into at the time because it was really long, and the production was really bad. So I think I'll, I'll wait for a few more reviews before I hit that one. Well, I'll, I'll give you my review. I'm of going this Friday. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll let you know on Monday. Uh, and then just, you know, another question that I'm sure you won't want to answer, but favorite <laughs> favorite director? You know, I don't have a, fa- a favorite director. I mean, Guillermo del Toro, Spielberg, of course, is awesome. Um, I think if you were to ask me, do you have a favorite director of photography, you know, a favorite, I definitely would have to say without hesitation, um, Roger Deakins. You know, I've followed his career ever since he started making films in the early 90s. Um, just the way he puts the, the images onto the film that we see is, is amazing. And... I mean, he is the A-list director of photography right now, and doesn't matter which director he works with, you can tell it's a Roger Deakins movie when you see it. It's got a style unlike anyone else's. Can you explain a little, like, what a director of photography does? Sure. Uh, So the director of a movie, his job is to make sure everyone plays and works well together, right? And he's mostly, or she's mostly concerned with the acting. And... The director of photography, their job is to coordinate the camera um, operators and the lighting um, to make sure that it looks um, the way that the director's vision uh, is, is being executed. So someone like Roger Deakins usually would be one of the first people on the set, would have to know what shots are, are going to happen, would have to know we have to work with the lighting department. Would have to work with the set design, um, the electricians, everything to make sure that those images are going to be um, executed and captured beautifully. Uh, Greg Toland, who was the director of photography on Citizen Kane back in 1942, he wrote uh, a lot about the hard work of a camera of a director of photography, and it goes all the way from. You know, what I told you to back in that day would have been how do the different lenses work and on film and in today's, you know, modern era, it would be how do the different digital cameras capture things digitally and differently and, you know, what tools do you have available? So um, that's what a director of photography does. The images on there because of the DP the acting and the performance is there largely because of the director. Unless you have someone like James Cameron, he likes to get involved in everything, <laughs> which is, he yeah makes a lot of enemies that way. <laughs> Does he make movies that are, next question, totally overrated? James Cameron, uh, if you're talking about Titanic, I think Titanic's totally overrated. Ooh, that's a hot take. I know it is. I'm not, I'm not very popular for that opinion. 
Um, but I think when you look at his other films, um, Titanic is the one that I would say is overrated. Does, did he do Avatar? He did. Okay, okay. Oh, that was I got really nervous for a second. I was like, if I'm wrong, it's going to be really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Okay. Good. So we can end on a high note with me guessing correctly. Um, <laughs> so then we need to ask the iconic staple question. Okay. Uh, if you could have, if you, in when you were in high school, did you receive a senior superlative? And if you didn't slash don't remember, what senior superlative would you like to receive? I, n I don't know if I got a senior su superlative. I think back in the day, if I had gotten one, I would have liked it to have been most creative because I was doing music, I was doing writing, literary magazine, photography. So I kind of cut across that. So I think most creative would have been nice for me back in senior year. How appropriate to talk about film. There you go. <laughs> See, it all comes back around, doesn't it? What a perfect circle. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. We've learned so much about film, and anyone listening should sign up for film class if they need an elective. Absolutely. It's great. It counts for fine and performing arts or English. So. Ooh, that's good. That's a double, double, double whammy. whammy. Yeah. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Aquino, for coming on. We had so much fun. And we'll... Uh, goodbye we'll, to yeah. your podcast yes. listeners. Good, <laughs> goodbye, faithful listeners. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs>